Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruthann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We might as well. We're, we're burning through good bullshit. Your bullshit. Like, this has nothing to do with anything, but this could be good bullshit that we're burning off. All right, cool. All right, well, I'm rolling. All right. I'm going to count us down, bro. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I was three. Get really nervous when you do this. We'll get them nerves in check, too. No, because I don't know what's going to happen. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's stop the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we share the things that built us up as people. Whether it be television, movies, music, comics, and spoken word. Uh, and we share them with each other and we share with you, with the audience. And hope that it helps build you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, if you haven't done so, try to re- subscribe. Uh, we're on iTunes, Google Play Store. Uh, we are also on Stitcher and Anchor. So um, tell us what you think and, and dim, dim, not comments, I guess comments, review. Leave us a review and we'll read it here on the show. It's technically it's a comment. Yeah. Well, I guess if it's a comment that assesses something, it, it shifts into a review. It, it permutates into a review. That's true. I don't think that was proper use of permutates. But, I mean, but I'm planting my flag there. Hey, bro, it works. Yeah, um, you know, you know, you got what I mean. Oh yeah, I got yeah, you. you. You understand? Yeah. You, we got we got from where we were to where we were going, which which. Fuck yeah. you. Well, you could say that we <laughs> permutated. We permutated from A to B. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get in my car and permutate home. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about The Dark Knight Returns, a 1986, uh, I guess you call it like a series, a mini series um, of comics uh, created by Frank Miller. Uh, with art by Klaus Jensen. Hell yeah. Uh, 86 was the year I was born. Only good things came out of that year. Uh, so this was good and so was I. I'll take it. Yep. Uh, Lex, this was your recommendation. Yeah. So, That's I mean. That's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Um, so here's my question. Yes, go. Because one can assume that many people have read this and. It is considered uh, to be not just one of the seminal works in the in the pantheon of Batman stories, but also one of the seminal works in all of modern comics. Yeah. Um, and as you're reading it, you can see all the different things that are being referenced from its existence on. Um, the Dark Knight Returns is heavily referenced throughout um, like television, DC series, uh, DC movies, things of that sort. Um, so why do you think that people are missing out on it? 
Okay, this is this is complex. Uh, inter- I mean, look, it depends he puts on the lex in complex. I'll, I'll just reach across the table and choke the life out of you, dude. <laughs> I will do it. I will do it. I'm having a day. You won't have the nerve, and I'll have to finish it off myself. I see what you did. Yeah. I see what you did. Yeah. The devil's strength. You're twisting. Oh. Twisting. Damn. What's left of him goes. <laughs> Stop laughing. Uh. So it okay. So obviously your your mileage is going to vary. Maybe you don't care about comics at all. I would argue that this story works perfectly well as literature. It is a very wordy book. You got probably just as much going on verbally as you do, uh, pictorially. Yes. Let's go with pictorially. It works. It's a lot so of syllables. Well. So many syllables. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, largely because it is such a seminal text and it is pulled from and referenced so extensively. But I also think within itself, it's a very powerful, if occasionally problematic story. The problematic elements of it is something that that's actually a, a discussion that I want to have that I think we can use this story to piggyback from. Yeah. But I think it is a story that works with caveats uh, incredibly well within itself. And reading it i re I, I told you before we jumped on mike i wasn't planning on rereading the entire thing because i've i've read the story so many times yeah but last night i pulled it out and i was just going to skim a little bit and i opened the first page and i started reading uh bruce wayne's narration uh and i i got sucked in again and i read the entire book all four uh issues because it was originally released in four uh prestige format issues and they're all like i think 48 ish pages a piece yeah uh now of course long since bound together in in trade paperbacks uh but i read through the whole thing again and i was dismayed but fascinated at how so many of the feelings that were being evoked in me by this story by by the the it's like the stranglehold of terror and fear and decay on Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of those feelings are mirrored for me when I look at the whole world now. Got it. And there was so much that seemed it was it was very relevant in '86, very pointedly so, especially for uh, tone wise anyway for comic books at the time. So it's it's loaded with so many uh, concepts, ideas, images pieces of of just existential dread and terror that yeah. that were a reflection of certain certain things that were happening in the 1980s of course but again struck by how disturbingly relevant so much of it is mm-hmm. especially uh when we look at how uh, far more so in the original book than the animated adaptation that was released a few years ago the way that the media is used almost like a, it's like a combination of Greek chorus and just intentional information overload. Yeah. And how everybody's talking over each other and it's all, it's mostly just ignorance and spin and obfuscation and it waters down anything resembling objectivity or rationality or nuance, which, yeah, I mean, which, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, though, I think that, like, one could argue that it's been that way since the 24-hour news cycle began. It's just forced forced them to fill time so it became a lot more inane and uh, news stopped being news just because it had to become filler. Right. And then the 
line between filler and news basically dissolved. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's yes. Uh, that's all but, I got. Yeah. Um, I, I see all that. And I, uh, since this was my first time uh, reading through the comic, I had seen the, the like movie that they made a few years ago. Um, and I've seen, uh, I guess like I've, I've also seen, uh, one could say, uh, Christopher Nolan's version of it. Hold a lot um, for, uh, Dark Knight Rises. Right. And also I've seen, uh, the Batman v Superman movie, which also pulls a lot from this comic as well. Less successful. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, though, it, though yeah. it looks quite a bit like some stuff in the book right like it has a lot of the aesthetic pieces i think that like the the main thing that where it fails is the justification for the ending which kind of gets lost because of a lot of other stuff um but uh that being said like yeah i i feel like and it, the intention i assume like it had a very noir feel like you get a lot of life inside of Batman's head. Um, yes. And you get... I, I like the... Just the amount of world building that they did up front, talking about where things have been since uh, Batman had left, uh, using the news to get all these different perspectives, but mostly uh, kind of filling in the gaps of, like, where these villains are, where these heroes have, have gone, uh, and things of that sort. Because I, I, I want... I not watched... I read Kingdom Come, and I feel like they did less of a good job of the world building. They just kind of threw you into, like, where things were. Right. Um, whereas, like, this one let you kind of settle in. Like, it had a lot of time to do so. Um, and it let you kind of settle in and get a sense of how everyone is feeling at this moment before jumping into, like, all the connective pieces from beginning to end. Right. And... and so, okay, yeah, so do we want to talk maybe just in broad strokes about what the story, like, broadly is? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to hear you do it. Okay. I kind of I, I kind of want to. I want to, yeah, and I'll just, like, jump in occasionally. Okay, so we get Batman, and he's like, I'm old, and he's celebrating 10-year anniversary of not being Batman, and then we have this gang called the mutant gang sure are they mutants who knows i don't know that's that's trademarked by marvel their uh their leader has real sharp teeth yeah which and, is not which is no i guess you could unless he's wearing a big like set of dentures i guess you would call that a mutation he's got like a shark mouth right yeah so the rest of them seem to be like rob and don we see in the story are definitely just a couple of dudes right who put who put the accoutrement of the mutant gang on their heads? Yeah, because later we see them with uh, Bruno, and they're just dudes in in the matching <laughs> outfits. Yeah, they uh, they basically all have like glasses and mohawks, and they're like, "We're a mutant gang," and so they're basically just trying to take, not even really taking over Gotham. They're just assaulting people because they're a gang and that's what gangs do. Right. Well, I mean, uh, the mutant leader seems pretty hell bent on dominating Gotham. Like he's threatened because Gordon is still a commissioner at the start of the story and he right. retires in uh, over the course of the story, but like very publicly, like taking over the airwaves to threaten Gotham and Gordon specifically. He's like in the book, they omit certain lines for the animated film, but in the book, uh, he not only the mutant leader not only threatens to, I guess, eat Gordon, but yeah. also to like rape his women and like rape the city of Gotham. They they talk about rape more than they do in the animated version. 
Okay. Yeah. Maybe I missed that. I mean, it definitely happens at least twice. Like they, they, it happens. And then I think in the next book, they reference it again. It's like they replay the same right. clip. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yes. Uh, they're not very nice. Is, no, I guess what not, I'm saying. They're yes. not very nice people. And it's about, it's about causing, it seems to be really about causing as much chaos as possible. Right. Just overrunning the place. They're a little, uh, little, little, all right. Russian body in that sense, I guess. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Well, the, yeah, the little, actually a little bit already. Cause their only goal really seems to be destabilization noise and to then just run roughshod and shit all over everything. Right. Like the, the leader of the mutant gang isn't like, I'm going to, I'm going to become the new mayor. He's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to cause chaos and I'm going to kill your commissioner. You know, he I'll literally, later. he literally eats the mayor. You know what I mean? Like he just yeah. eats the dude's face, I guess in his jail cell. <laughs> um, so that happens. And so it, it comes to a head. Uh, but before that comes to a head, we have book one in which uh, we get the revival or the, the fixing of two face. And so uh, Two-Face becomes all a regular human face, uh, but then decides to go back to crime. And so the Batman comes out of retirement to stop this person who might be Two-Face um, because they were friends. Right. But it's but it's also, too, like, yes, that's all accurate. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 okay, so Bruce Wayne has not been Batman for 10 years, but Bruce Wayne, you've heard it said, right, like a lot of people have... have uh, analyzed Batman in in terms of uh, Batman is who he actually is, right? Bruce right. Wayne, the Bruce Wayne persona is the mask he wears. To a certain extent, this story almost treats Bruce Wayne and Batman as two separate entities sharing a vessel. Yeah. And Bruce Wayne has suppressed Batman for for ten years. Yeah. And so early in the story, he's he clearly has a, a death wish, like he's clearly chasing death, and that's why he's got this running mantra in his head of like he's in these you know, these, these suicidal scenarios for yeah. a man of his age. And he says, you know, in the, at the beginning when he's racing the, the car, which is something by the way, that like, I don't know if it was intentional, but Iron Man two does the same thing where Tony is dying. And so he just starts doing crazy, like almost belligerently, stubbornly crazy stunts, right? you know, like trashing his own party, et cetera. But one yeah. of them is he gets into the formula one race car and he goes out on the track when he, Really shouldn't be doing that, right? Um, but but Bruce has this running mantra of you know this would be a good death mm -hmm. because he doesn't if he's not Batman what 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 is he? Yeah, and Batman within him has been like pounding to get out for a long 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 time, and yeah, seeing that uh, Harvey Dent has more than likely returned to crime is definitely what tips him, but it's a process over the first, you know, and economics of storytelling. And it helps that there's a lot of dialogue per page, but we get yeah. to this fairly quickly. Uh, it's, it's him overloading. He sees he's, uh, he, he's reliving the death of his parents over and over and over. So he's, Trying to, he's flipping channels one night, and uh, the Mark of Zorro is on TV, yeah. and that's the movie that he and his parents went to see, and they left, and his parents were murdered in Crime Alley. So of course, that's pretty triggering for for Bruce Wayne, uh, and then he starts flipping channels, and he's just bombarded with with this news, like this, you know, the biggest, most sensational violence and crime and decadence and all of it, 
and it just it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and Batman is almost taunting him from inside. He's basically saying like, you can't, you can't repress me. It was only a matter of time. Time's now. We're going to Batman up, bitch. <laughs> and, and he, he goes, he just goes full on, dives back into this obsessive insanity and he puts the suit back on yeah. and he feels reborn. And it's interesting too, that he says, you know, this should, when he first puts the suit back on and you get the full page of him in the suit, he says, this should be agony because he's talking about his age. He's, he's in his fifties. Yeah. But Batman is, is in his twenties to thirties. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when Batman reemerges, he becomes that, that 20 to 30 something again. And that's, I find that, that juxtaposition really interesting. And of course it's not, it was, it was, I think far more novel at the time. Yeah. Although, although, all right. So important to note that it's not that there weren't noirish, uh, mature leaning Batman stories before this. There, there were a, a number of them in the eighties. And it's also not like Frank Miller came completely out of nowhere either. Like he, before this, he had already rose to prominence uh, drawing and then writing and drawing Daredevil for Marvel, which was actually his Daredevil run is the run that got me into comics oh, in really? the first place. Um, and then I found Dark Knight Returns and that tipped me all the way over. Right. Um, but, and then he, I believe he had done Ronin at this point as well. Uh, but it was just this perfect, it was at the perfect time. Like this was, this was right Right at the same time that, say, like Alan Moore's Swamp Thing was mm-hmm. happening and uh, it, Watchmen was happening. Uh, so all of a sudden comics were, there was this wave of these uh, uh, hyper literary, intelligent stories with with big resonant themes that were directed far more at adults. Like the whole like modern uh, 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 comics aren't just for kids. Yeah. Like you can trace a lot of that back to that moment in time yeah with those works emerging uh right like arm and arm with each other mm-hmm. that that's great and stuff um and we also you talked like right at the beginning before i had even begun to collect my own thoughts about how heavily referenced uh dark knight returns has been both like direct pulls from it and mm-hmm. also just in terms of tone in terms of intention that's not is like for for better and and unfortunately more often than not for worse because i feel like uh dark knight returns is is, uh not completely by itself but i feel like it maybe deserves a little more credit than most of the rest yeah that's kind of ground zero for the whole grim dark aesthetic that i don't find super appealing in superhero stories for the most part yeah because a lot of it is just texture Mm -hmm. like there's a reason that that the Dark Knight Returns, the tone of that story is dark. You can't tell this story any other way. Yeah. And even though there are uh, gratuitous acts depicted in the story, it never feels, to me, it never feels like gratuity for gratuity's sake. It's all, even the most horrifying stuff feels couched in those that version of the characters in the world. Uh, whereas a lot of the grim dark stuff we see now it's it's like let's just kill a bunch of people and look at the look at the boobs it's mature look at they're gonna say the curses in this look yeah. at how many guns they have Woo! well uh, you need those to get the butts in the seats you know no, no one's gonna show up without the guns and the boobs like not for nothing like even like clearly they were trying to do dark knight returns batman in batman v superman yes 
<laughs> that that Batman shoots the crap out of everybody, even in uh, Dark Knight Returns, where yeah. this Batman really, d- he does clearly get off on hurting criminals, n- but not killing them, crucially not killing them, yeah. except the Joker, who he doesn't even successfully kill. Right. Uh, at the end, even after all of it, when he's rallying everybody to hold Gotham together and take it back. Mm-hmm. Very first thing he says when he's in front of everybody, he holds up a rifle and he says, we're not using these. These are the weapons of the enemy. These are the weapons of cowards. Yeah. And just snaps the shit in half. Right. I love that. <laughs> I love and like, I don't want to I don't want to spend much time ragging on Batman v Superman because it's exhausting and that's, the people who like it get real tight about it. That's all my notes. That's literally everything I've written down. But like, that's that's how you know the point. You can't even say you can't even say the point was missed because it clearly wasn't even sought. Right. That's it. I'm gonna leave that over there. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. Kind of going back to the idea of this being a like a a new thing in the in the Batman mythos. Um. I mean, this to is almost the equivalent of when we got Logan. Like we had had um this very specific uh image of. Uh, what is what is Jack, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and we've gotten to grow with that character and be with him through all these different states, and then we got to see an older version that is not within the the general canon or like not within the the string of movies that we've gotten, but just lives in that world and features the characters that we're familiar with. But we got its own story that has its its more adult themes that uh, really face things that people who are younger won't really relate to, which is growing old and the, the idea of dying uh, soon and things of that sort. And so like you get that with this Batman where it was a, all the, not all, but most of the, the previous Batman stories were kind of Adam Westy and that they were a little lighter. And in that tone. was, I think uh, up until around the release of Dark Knight Returns, that was still most people's most, like their direct association with the character of Batman. It was yeah. still the, you know, uh, Zamp, Bat, Pow, Bat Tootsie, Adam West incarnation. Right. Which, by the way, not not to knock that incarnation at all. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of that show. But it's pretty, if that's the only version you're aware of, if that's your only association with the character, it's definitely pretty limiting as far as the range of things that character can be. Right. And then, yeah, along comes this thing. And it's like, oh, okie doke. Yeah, because it, it shows... That, like, it just shows another side to that story. Like, even the the Batman that is in Adam West could still, in some way, become, like, the Batman of The Dark Knight Returns. It just takes a certain amount of bad things to happen. Well, that's something that uh, Grant Morrison did in his run. He, he essentially decided that every incarnation of Batman is canon. It all, yeah. it all happened. Interesting. Yeah, so like they'll reference some of the crazier, kookier, like old, old, uh, like sci-fi stories. Yeah, and they'll basically it'll be like, uh, Dick, do you remember that time that we we were just on these hallucinogens and we were drugged by one of our adversaries and we just saw these space aliens or we what we thought were space aliens that we had to fight, like shit like that. <laughs> but they it, that was part of his method was that he tried to fold in every incarnation or acknowledge every incarnation as canon, whether or not any direct references to that incarnation figured into the story. Right. Everything was considered part of who this guy is. Interesting. I have to, I have to take a look at that run. A lot of, a lot of other versions. I mean, I love Grant Morrison's 
Batman run. It's it's us. He wrote uh he wrote for Batman for seven years across a few different books. So it's a yeah. bit of an undertaking, but it incredible. Like yeah. I, I love his stuff. Um, but uh, there are plenty of other runs uh, throughout modern Batman that obviously they do not take that same approach, but do lean very heavily on elements of the continuity established by Frank Miller, both in Dark Knight Returns and to a greater extent year one, which Frank Miller uh, did pretty shortly after this. Yeah. Uh, And they made a a movie of that one as well. I don't Uh, love the animated year one. Yeah. That's what I, that was the feedback I had mostly heard. Like I saw it and it was fine. Um, A little slow, a little draggy. It's fine. Um, But so for this, you, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the more problematic elements of it. Um, I, yeah, because I feel like there's an interesting conversation that you and I haven't necessarily had Yeah, about, you know, to, to what extent is it quote unquote, okay to champion, continue to champion works that do have certain problematic elements, the elements that haven't necessarily aged well right that that were definitely off color at the time and have aged poorly right yes uh i mean we 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 get a little bit into that when we talk about um vampire hunter d 80s versus the 2000s version um and like i did there were moments where i was like that's weird so example um so for example when there, it's another one of the series of on like or news interviews, and one of the guys is basically like, "Batman's doing great, uh, but uh, I wish he'd get rid of those I t- homos." Yeah, I took a I took a photo of this because it's it it speaks to two things. It speaks to what we're talking about right now, yeah, and then something else. And I don't want to. There's no way for me to express this without without sounding just way 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 too cynical. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. Go for it. Uh, this, this, the, these two panels right next to each other, that one and the one that immediately follows it, I, it, my brain started spinning because that's, that's what media is now completely, social yeah. media especially, and everybody can do exactly what these two guys uh, are doing, and I'm going to read what, what it says here, Yeah. Um. but everybody can do it, and it's so, so much of it is just this, this uh, ignorance, willful or otherwise, backed by unshakable confidence and like a desire to put yourself in front of everybody and say like my point of view is correct etc etc despite having no frame of reference so one of them and they did they they changed this line for the animated version and the animated version they sub in uh landlord but uh this guy that they're talking to on the news about batman he goes batman yeah i think he's a-okay he's kicking just the right butts butts the cops ain't kicking that's for sure hope he goes after the homos next but having said that I, I think the story is very aware that this is not I feel like it's it feels aware it, that this dude is ignorant maybe I mean I that was something that I was thinking about because the 80s was during the big like AIDS scare uh, and homophobia craze so like maybe it did Maybe it wasn't. Right. Um, with, with Frank Miller, it gets a bit hard to tell. Right. Um, but I will say that, like, I do feel like the the comic and, and I guess also the movie, like, they are really leaning into, um, they are leaning into how 
ridiculous and and or or maybe even just like how the news is used in this world like they're very much like a lot of people a lot of the the interviews and a lot of the discussions are fairly asinine but they're very prominent yes uh, okay, and then the next the next panel is a totally different type of person that they're talking to about Batman. And yeah. if you have social media, if you if you have a Twitter, or you have a Facebook, you you've read like this dude essentially, and this dude says makes me sick. We must treat the socially misoriented with rehabilitative methods. We must patiently realign their. Excuse me. No, I'd never live in the city. you know what i mean like we all we've all read that person right and reading stuff like that i'm like holy shit like there's so much more of that now yeah than there was yes i mean yes because you didn't this is not a deeper profound point i'm making i'm just sitting there i'm sitting there reading the book and going like how are we not better than this yet (laughs) um i mean we'll never be technically we'll never be better that than that as long as those the views exist we just now have more access to it like because back then people had to go on the streets and find people and those people had to get on camera and share their opinions that way and that's the only way you could access them on a wide basis but now like you essentially can throw your dumb opinion into uh into the void and it finds its way as long as other people agree with you it'll find its way to bubble under the sur- up to the surface Um, and so like now that we have this interconnected network, we, you can essentially find as many people that agree with you as possible and you can interact with them as much as you can, um, and never really have to seek anything outside of that bubble or that opinion. And it works on both sides. Like you get a lot of like shitty opinions. I don't want to be. Like, I don't want to be like, ah, alt-right people are correct, Um, because I would never say that. But what I'm saying... I just want to know where this is going now. What I'm saying is that, like, bubbles exist in the liberal community as well. Yes. And so, like, I just... Like, I don't want people to be like, this guy, he's a fucking social justice warrior, doesn't understand the liberals or something. Um, Because I get that, like, there are two extremes, but, like, extremes are extreme. You you know, you 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 are taking that Soros money. Uh, hell yeah, I am. Hell yeah. All, it, Tari is every member of Antifa. <laughs> every time you see photos of Antifa breaking up a rally with violence, it's just five of Tari. Right. Uh, I am Legion. Hail me. That's it. You're, I, you're a wonderful program. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if only I could <laughs> catch that Batman, the ultimate of fascists fascist oh yeah so you can't really shy away either from the fact that batman is unabashedly fascist in this story oh yeah which look you really you you can't fully shy away from the fact that there is inherently a fascistic element to superheroes in general well i mean yes they are ultimately imposing their own sense of justice on people the only thing that makes them like quote-unquote better is that they have a, a, a code of morals that um, are ult- like basically they're for the good. Right. They are. Um, they are. Even when they stumble, they are ultimately genuinely altruistic. Right. It it doesn't. That's why it doesn't translate to the real. Because I feel like in reality, nobody is fully uncorruptible. Yes, that well, is like, true. Look, I'm not going to say I'm going to you know what I'm going to compare them compared to superheroes. Nobody is fully uncorruptible. <laughs> like nobody is as uncorruptible as Captain America, except for that one time he was a Nazi. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. Well, no one is incorrupt. So I was actually just having a conversation about something like this this morning with uh, my roommate um, where we were talking about this idea of someone who can do great things but also be a shitty person. Um, and and that, you see, is fairly common. People do shitty things and also can, at the same time, do things that have a lasting uh, benefit to, to mankind as a whole. Like, Thomas Jefferson, specifically, um, was a real shitty guy. Um, yep. But he also helped build this nation. So it's this like is true. balancing those two pieces of uh, information and and reconciling that no matter how good someone is, they're they're not perfect. So uh, in much the same way, uh, Batman is super fascist, but he's only fascist against mean people. <laughs> I mean, that is the idea of That's Batman. So far from a perfect one to one, but I was gonna I was gonna take it. It was right there, and I right. I swiped at it, and I grazed it with my fingertips, and I yeah. called it a day. No, you got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look at me. Smell settle. them fingertips. Look at me settle. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, geez. Um. So yeah. Um. So that was a big piece, uh, that a big th- thing that stuck out to me was what, like, yes, that the, the use of, of, of media in, in this thing and how, like, not great the people that they are were showcasing to talk about Batman. There are a lot. Were. Of, I mean, look, there are plenty of people who very understandably read this story and come away thinking there is no one alive that Frank Miller has any patience or liking for <laughs> because nobody comes across particularly well, except arguably Batman. And he's not really a character. I think you're supposed to fully empathize with. I mean, he, he doesn't really come like he, he, doesn't really come out like smelling like roses because even in the ultimate confrontation it's because they know that like he won't stop brutalizing uh, criminals unless you kill him like that's that's the ultimate thing is like batman as an entity will never not be a terrorist and and there's that moment that like clark is talking about it um this the meeting that they had with like I forget, like a parents association or, or the government or Congress or some shit. Um, and they were, they were like, he was basically laughed in their faces and said, like, we're criminals. We'll always be criminals. We'll never not be criminals. Right. And they've, we always have been criminals. Right. Um, and so, like, I think that he gets that he's not doing a great thing, but he also feels like he's the only one who can take on that burden. Right. Um, so like, I, I get it. Like, I get it. Right. Oh, for, since you brought up like the, the parents group aspect of it, right. We were talking about how it's been 10 years since there's been a Batman. And in that time, the government, the, the, the nation has essentially decided we don't want any more of this superhero vigilante bullshit. Yeah. It freaks us out too much. So all of the other heroes, all the other DC heroes, for the most part, they they kind of went off and did their own thing. Uh, Green Lantern goes into space. Wonder Woman goes back to Themyscira. Presumably Aquaman goes to Atlantis, I guess, is where he would go. Yeah. Or like Des Moines. I don't know. Maybe he's got a house in Des Moines. Ooh. I don't Des really Moines think nice this time and of like, year. And you'd never think to look for Aquaman in Iowa. That's true. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> clever shit. 
Clever shit. Yeah. Clever shit. I feel like we can just call it a day now. All right. Uh, but well, thank you for joining us. For no. <laughs> but th- like, there's a line too about uh, not not everybody went so easily. Like Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow, did not comply, and it's not nobody ever says it out loud, but it's it's made fairly explicit that Superman ripped his arm off. Right. Yikes. Superman, by the way, acting as an arm of the United States government under the authority of President Ronald Reagan who is very much a presence in this story. Yeah. And this too, Superman as government stooge for the type of story they're telling and for the type of Batman they're depicting. That is a very, as far as creating a perfect foil, both in terms of personality and in terms of what they represent thematically makes perfect sense. I do wonder so many people really dislike or really think they dislike the character of Superman. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that trickled down from this version like a lot of people who th- who think of Superman as uh, uh, the as word boring. The, as boring, yes. or the, the, I've I've heard the word douchey several times. <laughs> I feel, and you know what? I get it. I get it. I I when I hear it, it's like I want to put like three or four Superman specific Superman stories in front of them just yeah. to to see if that changes their mind. But I wonder how much of that trickles down consciously or unconsciously from this incarnation of Superman. I mean, I get it, especially like since the movie, not movie, since the comic is told from the perspective of Batman, like there's this moment when, and I had this moment when you suggested this, uh, you were like, you know, have you seen the Dark Knight Returns movie? And my first thought was, is that the one where uh, Superman is hanging out with a shirt open and a, a bald eagle is on his arm? Yep, that's right out of the comics. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if, if that is your image of Superman, I mean, then yeah, I get douchey yes Um, absolutely because like you could imagine that even if that's not what was happening in that moment through batman's eyes that's the only thing he can see this like perfect representation of like the man but it's also like a broken government that's using this superpower to its own benefit yeah um and so like from that perspective you totally understand people being like he's you know he's he's just also that moment when he burns where into the snow, and you're like, you could have just left him a note. Why? Why did you have to do that? I, yes. Uh, I guess you could headcanon that he's just trying to match Batman's bombastic theatricality with a bit of his own, but like, look at his outfit. He doesn't really have to try much <laughs> harder than that. Right. He could have just shown up at his house and been like, yo, last chance. Uh, if we doing this, we doing this, but uh, I don't want to. You know what? I almost I almost wonder if it, it is that a little bit, right? Like if it isn't like at this point, we know which way this is going. We know what we got to do. I don't even want to talk to this guy. Just like burn the shit into the ground. He'll see it. <laughs> He'll say it under his breath. I'll hear it from three miles away because I'm fucking Superman. Right. And we'll go do it. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like cause, and I don't think that I don't think that Superman was ever meant to be seen in a good light in this comic um i mean like i get his perspective in that like he like half of the people interviewed about batman feel like he ultimately creates more crime like he ultimately like affects people in a certain way 
um, that isn't good for the well-being of society. Right, and you've got this like pseudo-celebrity shrink, Dr. Walper, like beating that drum super hard. The guy who, it's no coincidence, is tr- is trying to rehabilitate both Harvey Dent and the Joker, right. and then going and making public appearances talking about it, presumably, obviously, to boost his profile, eventually sell books and whatnot. So e- even he, like this dude who is allegedly a medical professional, cannot cannot be trusted and and is and is and is dickishly beating that drummer Peter. right i like i wish that that character was a little more developed like when i was first reading it i i thought like he had an angle i thought his his whole thing was maybe he's working for these guys no, he's, and just he's trying an, to just he's just an asshole right and i wish that that wasn't the case like i wish it was kind of like a uh like a Harley thing where not that he was in love with the Joker, but like he's just he, like morbid fascination that, that becomes an obsession of, of sorts. Sort of more, like more to the fact that like it's someone who has seen everything that like seen the other side of Batman's crusade and that like dealt with the broken femurs and dealt with the broken psyches and, and like had to rehabilitate all of these people who Batman has maimed to just to prove a point like he he's doing this whole thing so that criminals will be afraid to uh commit crimes like if you commit a crime you're probably going to end up with a full body cast that is batman's message um so having someone who has been dealing with that for years and years and years um, and transitioned to like make it their personal crusade to rehabilitate these supervillains who they see as someone who Batman is, has essentially created. I think if they were developed that way, it would have been more effective. But like the way that it happens, yeah, as you said, he's just an asshole. I uh, I kind of like that though. I like it. I like that his motivation is that realistically mundane and shitty. <laughs> like it's and again I don't want to sound overly cynical but I suppose that's unavoidable like that's that makes him a real person to me gotcha and yes it's it would have been fun to have his his motivations be a little bit more comic booky yeah. I suppose well I mean that's not even comic like that is if if he were the night nurse of this universe right you know um but yeah I guess he could have had he could have been like, yeah, or just I'm like, a villain. Right, something something more intentionally or, or knowingly malevolent. Right. Uh, it would have been fine. I, I could have been fine, but I like that it, he's just, it, it's just something mundane and shitty and like an actual person would would probably do. Right. Um, and it, I mean, and it, I guess it makes you feel better that it ultimately leads to his death. Uh, or not better, but I mean, like I mean, it's easier to swallow. Well, he also he. It's hard not to. It's hard not to compare it to a lot of things that have happened relatively recently. But then all these people, right? You're talking about the, his death, the sequence he dies in, where he, the doc, the doctor, and and the people running the Dave Endocrine show think it's a good idea to put the Joker on television with a live studio audience. And they're not doing it because they care whether Joker has anything to say. They're right. all doing it because... It's going to get them them clicks. Because they're whores. I, like, I didn't want to use that term, but like they're in the truest sense. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, they're punished for it. They get their comeuppance. But it's so uncomfortably real... Right. 
and that and it's but it's all none of it is about anything more than just greed and and uh, uh, fame seeking behavior and self aggrandizement and it's just so mundane and shitty. Yeah. And how do you fight that? That's something that I kept thinking about while I was reading the story, and it's not something that I thought I was too young when I discovered this story to really think too much more about it than this is neat. Uh, but now I keep I kept thinking, reading that and, and reading into those ideas. It's all it's too it's just it's too big. Like you can't fight that with your fists. Right. What do you what even is Batman in the face of that level of moral decay? Well, I think that that's why we end up with a Batman who learns he, he learns that he can't just fight his way into fixing the the city like he has to use in effect he has to use the children to uh essentially build a better gotham i mean how he does that is never explored um they could be using their fists but i but he doesn't like right well no he he makes it a point to i mean they probably use their fists sometimes uh <laughs> but he makes it a point to say like when he when he is the scene where he's rallying everybody and he has the bit about how shitty guns are yeah. Uh, he's talking about our weapons are quiet and precise, and in time I will teach them to you. But tonight you're going to rely on your wits and your fists. So, yeah, yeah they probably still use their fists sometimes. Uh, but I, I assume, like, over time, right at the end of the story, it's all about, like, Batman, Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne dies. Like, publicly, Bruce Wayne dies. And yeah. now now he can go and be Batman in, in secret. He can, be, he can be that quiet form of mysterious that they reference in the story. And he talks about how now we have time i can train this army i can train them i can shape them and this is how we win we essentially build this massive underground resistance that will become a force trained and led by batman yeah and yeah beyond that i mean that's where the story ends the story ends with him him saying like you know uh, this this will be a good life and then he looks around and it's just like a close on his face he says good enough and the yeah. story ends. So we don't actually know. And we don't... Re- I'm trying to remember. Uh, Frank Miller, like 15 years later, did a sequel, Dark Knight Strikes Again. Nowhere near as uh, respected or beloved, but it's fascinating. Yeah. I remember several things from that book. I do not really remember whether or not we delve into what they did exactly. I do know that Carrie Kelly, who we haven't mentioned yet, yeah. uh, who become, who's the first female Robin... Uh, becomes Catgirl okay. afterwards. No, I don't know why. Um, I don't remember. Maybe there's gonna, a reason. I'm gonna, here's my head cannon. Um, so what he does is he teaches them all how to be um, stealthy, cool ninja people, but also teaches them how to affect change subtly. So they all end up becoming Congress people and mayors and cops. And so he has operatives all over Gotham and even all over the world that are essentially um, seeding in a better way of life. And he's funding them through with all that Wayne money. He's got he's got like a bunch of his dudes just on like 4chan and Reddit trying to radicalize people. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh-huh. But like in a good way, he's like, yo, Let's 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 try to start legislation to make birth control available for all men and women. Hell yeah. yeah. Let's 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 go on 4chan and educate people about, you know, like like 
proper sex etiquette and had a consent. And, Hell and yeah. And the Holocaust did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So those are the kind of guerrilla campaigns he needs. He's, he's starting. And then... Um, <laughs> this will be a good life. Yeah. Trolls. <laughs> Just raising an <laughs> army of trolls. <laughs> and then, uh, And then Robin becomes the first female president of the United States and reinstitutes uh, the legitimacy of all vigilantes. Um, but also, she, like, really sends America forward in progress and to the point where they don't even need vigilantes. Crime stops. She's so good. She's that good. Ends all wars. Man, this is my headcanon. And it turns out great. I like your headcanon. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Robin. So, uh, piggybacking on, uh, the discussion <laughs> of problematic elements with the story, I'm not going to cite Carrie Kelly as a problematic element. I actually think she's a very well-realized character. The problem, as I see it, is that, uh, with the exception of, uh, Yindel, she's the only female character who comes off particularly well at all in this story. Yeah. Who has, seems to have much agency who isn't uh, largely a device to provoke a reaction either in the characters or the reader. Yeah. That, yeah, that's an issue. That, that was, that should, if it wasn't an issue back then, it should have been. It definitely sticks out now. Yes. Um, like, what the shit is Bruno? And I don't mean, I don't mean on like, the, I don't mean like gender. I mean, what is this character? Yeah, I... Oh, I almost blocked out Bruno. If you, if you haven't read this comic, um, or I don't know, I don't remember what they did with Bruno in the movie. Oh, she's there. Okay. Oh, she's does there. She, does she still have swastikas on her breast and so. her butt cheeks? I think I think they're still on her breast. Yep. So that's what Bruno is. Bruno is a militant a, a, swastika wearing person. Apparently, like Joker's girlfriend or something. They referenced that, I, I believe. Yeah. At a certain point. So it's a weird couple. That's a thing. This is before Harley Quinn existed, by the way. So everybody right. who's up in arms about where's Harley, there, there was no Harley yet. Yeah. There wouldn't be a Harley for the better part of, well, no, for like six years. Um, I guess so. Yeah. Cause, uh, Harley Quinn was invented specifically in the for, animated series, which was like 92 ish. Yes. Um, which I was at a, a side note. I was at a panel, uh, about the, uh, invention. Or it was about the Batman, the animated series, and uh, they were talking about the invention of Harley Quinn and how um, they were so sad that, like, they didn't secure the rights themselves, like the creators of the show, because um, they would have just been getting paid money. And then so later, uh, so it became the property of Warner Brothers. And then uh, later they tried to get, uh, they tried to... Uh, recreate that lightning in a bottle uh, with another character, uh, Joan Jett or something like that. I don't remember. I forget the name. Wait, you um, mean on the animated series? On the animated series. You mean series. A, a, a Roxy Rocket? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were like, it didn't, it didn't catch on. Still got those rights though. Yeah, they got, they got Roxy Rocket. <laughs> once, once they burn through every A-list character, uh, they can't make a movie work for. Eventually, we're gonna get to Roxy Rocket, and, and that'll be the one. Yeah. Weirdly, that'll be the one. Right. It'll be Warner Brothers Guardians of the Galaxy, where you're like, who the fuck is right. this? What is a Roxy Rocket? Right. And then you're gonna be like, it's the best thing. It's the best thing. It's like, is this is this porn? 
And then you see it and you're like, it might as well be. Woo! And $4 billion opening weekend. Hell yeah. I'm into it. Um, But yeah, I I liked... um, I liked Robin, especially like the that her intro to to Batman himself. Like you got a bunch of pages of her kind of running around, jumping off roofs, and and kind of fumbling her way around the city in a Robin costume. Right, don't know where she got it. She bought it. She spent all of her allowance on it. In the in the animated movie, they legit when they cut to that scene. They, there's it, it cuts to a shot of the bag up for the costume on her bed, and it says in big letters, Robin costume. <laughs> so they're selling those, which honestly makes a certain amount of sense. Well, like, yeah. if they're, if they're at this point, if especially if they passed into local urban legend, there would still be, you know, people would still have the image, even if it's like, well, those guys were never real, right? They would presumably locally remember the iconography of it, and yeah, would be looking to make a buck. Right. If there's a Barack Obama costume that exists, there's got to be a Robin costume. Right. You know and, what I'm saying? And like Robin's costume was always by design a great deal brighter. So it's easier to see when it's dark. It's easier to pick up on and be like, I, I, I retained this color scheme. Right. Which which like this color scheme bothers blue me. and black is um, the other one. Because there's this moment in the in this comic specifically where he's like, I put a target on my chest. So that's where people hit. And it's like, Robin's a full target. And you wonder why they die so much. Well, no, they die. All of them die. Three, three of them. Nope. Four of them. Nope. Five of them. Yeah. Pretty much all of them. (laughs) Except, except Carrie Kelly. I actually think every other Robin has died. Yeah. Um, or, or at least quote unquote died. I wasn't reading the the storyline from a few years ago where Dick Grayson dies, and I don't remember if he like died and was resurrected or if he, it was a fake. De- it might have been a right. faked death. Uh, but like uh, Tim Drake, everybody thought was dead recently, but wasn't actually dead. Was just, like transported. So I don't really think that counts. Damien uh, dies, and Jason dies, Aww. and they're both resurrected. Right. Oh. Stephanie Brown uh, died shortly. She was Robin for like an hour. And then died, <laughs> but then came back. And it's all because of the costume. No, but then she didn't really die. They thought she died and her death was faked. And that's why Bruce was mad at Leslie Tompkins for a long time. This is all flooding back to me now. Yeah. So actually, really, I think only two of them actually died, but almost all of them were believed strongly to be dead at right. one point or another. Glad we sussed this out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, everyone, this has been Robin Corner. Brought to you by the Missing Out Podcast. Robin Corner. Robin Corner. Robin Corner. Brought to you by David Indocrine, formerly known as David Letterman. That was the model that they used for that character, if you are unfamiliar. He was made to look like David Letterman, but they named him David Indocrine. In the uh, animated movie, he's uh, voiced by Conan O'Brien. Oh. And they make him, he doesn't look like Conan, but they definitely make him look a little more Conan-y by comparison, or at the very least, less like Letterman. Yeah. Like, in the comic, he is 100% Letterman. Like, gap and all. Letterman. Yeah. David Letterman. <laughs> um, do you have any other thoughts before we start to head out? I mean, a lot. Like, like we haven't even tapped the, this is, this was like the, the origin of the Batman Joker relationship as being depicted like psychosexually. Mm. 
a lot of people take issue with it. I think it it's disturbing and and upsetting, but also I think it really it, that dynamic works very well in this story. Right. Um, I think I like the the dynamic down the line. I don't think I necessarily like it in this one, just because like I think it's I think that it is. How am I? How do I phrase this? I feel like a bit much. No, well, I guess a bit much. I, I just, I actually just feel like it is uh, depicted in a way that is can be interpreted as homophobic. In that, like, it in in the same way that like when Disney makes a villain, they make them slightly effeminate because that is how they like that is a view of. Uh, someone who might be evil in that, like, right? Like the the decadently wealthy are very often depicted as, um, yes, like if they're men, just uh, uh, even if it's only slightly, just slightly more effeminate, right? And so, like, I feel like that is taken to. So this this Joker just takes that to the extreme. So it's like this guy who loves this man who always puts on makeup and is like obsessed with his lipsticks and things of that sort. So like I, I get a, I get a weird vibe from it. Okay. Yes. If you, if you back up even a half step from the hyper specific context of the Batman Joker relationship, then yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it starts to get problematic. Right. Um, So like, that's the only thing about it. Like I, I like, the dynamic of them being two sides of the same coin. Um, we hit that. We hit that a couple of times. We hit right. it with uh, Harvey as well. Yeah. Earlier in the story, like when he looks at Harvey and he realizes Harvey still Harvey thinks now both of his both sides of his face look like the scarred, you know, the, the horrible scarred two face visage right. because that's how deep his psychological scars go. Mm-hmm. And he says he's got the line where he looks at Harvey and he says he sees a reflection. And I think that too is part of like jumping back. I know we got to like wrap soon, no. but, but jumping back, uh, that too, like, yes, Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent were friends, but I think that's a big part of his motivation to go after Harvey so hard is like, did, he says, you know, I have to know, did, did Harvey succumb to his own personal demons the way that I'm constantly, uh, warring with myself over? Yeah. Yeah. And then to the idea that, Batman holds himself responsible for the people that Joker is murdering. Oh, yes. Because this is something that you hear from a lot of people. It's like, why doesn't Batman just kill the Joker? Because he's supposed to be better than we are, dummy. That's why. But <laughs> but I do appreciate that even Batman in this story, and yes, I'm glad it's not all versions of Batman, but I appreciate the application in this story of the mentality that if I had just killed this dude a long time ago, a whole lot of people would still be alive. Right. And again, I I think it's better in superhero stories by and large, if our heroes look for any other possible way, but as, as like an intellectual and thematic exercise, I find it fascinating as grafted onto this incarnation of Batman specifically. Yeah. Because Batman's big, rule and it's not they've every hard rule for characters th- that have been around this long has been broken at least once if not m- many more times yeah but batman's big thing is no killing and definitely no guns right uh there are stories where he's done both he kills someone with a gun in this story uh that when he rescues the the baby 
the like yes. when the dude's yes, like, yes, 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 I'll yes. kill him, I'll do it, and he just grabs the machine gun that the other mutant had and pops him, and he's like, Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> dude's dead. In the animated movie, they water that down too. Oh, do they? He has the rifle, but he just knocks the dude out with the rifle and catches the baby. Got it. Uh, but yeah, no, he straight up kills a dude with a gun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, just like he does in Batman v Superman, right? But all right, the big, you know, the big Rubber difference, bullets. right? The which I like, I like, I like <laughs> that, I like that uh, he's got the giant Batmobile, and I love that he references like the Batmobile. That's what Dick called it, something a child would say. Yeah. Um, but I love that he's firing just opening fire with these massive mounted guns on his batmobile and then in in his internal monologue he's just like rubber bullets promise <laughs> uh but okay you reference right like it's it's all right i think the maybe the biggest problem with the batman and batman v superman the movie that i said i wasn't gonna rag on anymore is that there is no there's no representation of hope in that character. And you can try and argue that, well, that was the point of the story is that he bumps into Superman and Superman sacrifices himself. And that's how he learns to hope. And like, all right, we didn't dramatize that at all. So like fine and intention wasn't there in execution. Yeah. Batman employs fear as a tool, but Batman is all about hope, hope born from tragedy through a really weird, disturbed, arguably fascistic prism. Mm -hmm. Uh, His whole thing, he makes a child's promise. His whole thing is, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to ensure that what happened to me never has to happen to anybody else. Yeah. Um, And it's all about, that is the most, it's incredibly, it is childlike. It is a child's promise that he commits to so dang hard. Um, But it is all couched in hope. The, The fear, the viciousness employed selectively as a tool, all of it is in service of an incredibly hopeful goal. And when you strip that away, you've stripped away the character. Right. Even, even, arguably, the Dark Knight Returns Batman is, has hopeful intention. He's just a a dick about all of it. (laughs) I mean, yes, because he's gotten so old and, and, and cynical that, like, whatever hope is there has to, like, really, we, like, it has to. It's like a weed growing through concrete, you know. Like it really has to. Has to. You, you really gotta keep care of that seed. I don't know how. What analogy I wanted to use. You lost um, me so hard a minute ago, and I was just hoping you'd keep going, and I would. I would catch back up. Oh, cool. I'd yeah, like yeah. loop around. And- you know, his 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 hope is is encased in in a in a cocoon of of uh, hurt. From losing people, you know what I'm saying, and then uh, soon he'll, he'll he'll the butterfly will come from that cocoon, and that butterfly is hope. I can't you know even tell saying? you like and this it's time. Spreading its wings, bro. Can't even tell you when I spaced out again. I I need you to listen to me. Some, you said something about to, cocoon, yeah. and I just went away. All right. I don't so I don't like, know why. Okay. So I don't like, know what it is. Maybe it's like Cocoon's the movie with the the old people, right? The old people that are all like it. we're old people and we're having sex in cocoons um, and becoming old sex butterflies. Right. Was that your metaphor? Yeah. All right. Totally. Is that what Cocoon's about? I don't I've never seen it. Um, but I got another one. All right. So like <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, Gotham is a raccoon, right? 
and then um, you know this fly laid its eggs inside that raccoon's body, and then uh, that's the the fly is the tragedy of of Batman's death, parents' death, right? And then um, so one day the the maggots come bursting out of this raccoon, and the maggots are fear. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it's the fear that Batman creates in 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 uh criminals right uh-huh. and then you know they eat up gotham and it becomes they become flies more flies just to, to spread hope you get it i got nothing after raccoon can Ugh. you can you say raccoon again raccoon 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 so you just skip over the a what are you talking about Ra- raccoon 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 is that better that no, not when you say raccoon, like that. Not, raccoon, when you, not when you say it like you're, you're trying to eat something large while you say it. That's just interesting. It sounds raccoon. like it's it's like phonetically, it's like R apostrophe raccoon. Nah, that'd be raccoon, I, which is different than is it? Is it? There's just there's just a set. We just hit that pause ever so slightly harder. Uh, that okay. little skip. I'm gonna wrap us up. Yeah, there's so there's. Yeah, there's there's a lot more here to examine, especially in terms of how it impacted the legacy of Batman, everything that has come since. Uh, but but yeah, I didn't. I feel like I didn't start to collect my thoughts till like right now. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot more, but super broadly, yeah, that's uh that's that's what that is. That's a thing. That's it. That's it. How do you feel about it? Like um, as we as we are uh, uh, bringing the hovercraft into the into the into the dock, is that yep. where they go? Into into the into the dock. Docks That's a, where they go. A port of some kind. Yeah, the hover 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 dock. Hover dock. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I liked kind of I I like diving into the origin of things that I'm familiar with. So I liked um, experiencing uh, Batman Returns for the first time, and and in its like original intended version. Um, so I really liked that. I liked this older version of Batman that I, I think that like being able to look back and, and cause I've, I've gotten older Batman a bunch of times by now, like through, um, well, Kingdom Come, Bat- which you Kingdom mentioned, Come, and then of course Batman, Batman Beyond. Beyond, um, and then the other movies that we mentioned that are, have varying su- success. Um, but getting the like first rendition of it and trying to see it through the eyes of people who are seeing it as new and this new interpretation of this beloved character, I think is really interesting. Um, I also liked a lot of the connective tissue that uh, moved the story along where you get this story of his return through his like quote unquote death. And you get to see him, the duality of that character. And then by the end of it, they are basically one person that he's using to essentially try to, create something bigger than himself right um and i like seeing where like i like seeing where he ended up versus where superman ended up and and just having that that confrontation be something that is so matter of fact because they are they've been established in this uh in this comic as two people who will never give up on what they believe and that in and of itself uh, creates conflict because of who they are. 
Um, so I, I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. I, I'm saddened on where Selena ended up. Um, well, so my next question for you is going to be, do you feel in your, in your personal estimation, just, just for you, yeah. uh, do the strengths of the story outweigh the problematic elements of the story of which there are n- not, not a few there, there, there are more, there are more than a couple. Um, for me, they, for me, there are more problematic elements that would keep me from like really going back and enjoying it, but I can appreciate what came from this comic. Right. Um, so like, I, I definitely feel like it goes in the box of a product of its time and a product of its author, which I believe is also a fairly controversial figure. Um, and so it goes into that box. I think you could definitely call Frank Miller a controversial figure. Yes. He, uh, he, he sort of half apologizes for some of it. Now he did this book, uh, Holy terror, which you, you look it up, but basically he was, he was, uh, following, following nine 11. He was super angry at Brown folks. Um, and he has since he hasn't, he he wasn't like you know didn't issue me a culpa. He wasn't like I'm so so sorry, but he was basically like, and it's like just just apologize. But it's like right. uh, I don't I don't want to pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm paraphrasing. It's like I don't want to pretend it didn't happen, but also I don't have that in me again. Right. But but yeah, you could just apologize. Um. But <laughs> but not for nothing. Yes. Uh. Frank Frank Miller definitely a controversial figure, and with some good reason. Right. And that's that too is part of what I found really fascinating reading it through this time is just uh, st- there is there is an undercurrent of ugliness in a number of places. I mean, shit. Sometimes, like for example, all the things that happen with Selena, and she's not in very much of the story. Yeah, but all of that is less of an undercurrent and more it's just like hitting you in the face like a hose. Yeah. Um, that I just wasn't, I didn't key into it all when I was a kid. It wouldn't have occurred to me. Yeah. I couldn't imagine reading this as a kid. I don't think I had the attention span or the like life experience to really appreciate it. I, I didn't, but I was able to internalize s- certain character relationships and dynamics. And then of course, like when you're a kid and it's like Batman's fights, this is awesome. This is yeah. so cool without picking up on anything deeper than that, whether it is, uh, uh, let's say a constructive sentiment or whether it's very much not uh, most yeah. of that would just went completely over my head. I, I wasn't looking for any of it. I was just picking up a comic and then it opened my eyes to without, without really being able to put into words what the heck this meant. It opened my eyes to that. Plus his daredevil run opened my eyes to the fact that comics could be more than, you know, uh, just the, the couple issues of Spider-Man that I I would be given at like friends' houses to flip through that that seemed very I don't even remember which issues, but like seemed were fun, but were very rudimentary by comparison. Right. We're we're concerned with like the very fun like surface level like thwip and let's kick people, right? Which is great. I get a lot of mileage out of that, but not not uh, at that time, whichever run of Spider-Man this was. Not to, why am I picking on Spider-Man? I- you get my point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but yeah, basically it, it was beyond just the scorpion robbed a bank and Batman stopped him. And it goes more into the psyche of that was these confusing. 
the scorpion, the person, the villain from Spider-Man robs the bank and Spider-Man stops him. You said Batman stops him. Did I? And I paused and I was like, I want that movie. Um, I did, it didn't even register. Yeah, Take yeah. it back. Take it back. Tari. Tari. Ca- cast fix the, it. Cast the dude who played, cast Michael Mondo, who is Matt Gargan in Spider-Man Homecoming. And like, just have, just, just throw Ben Affleck in it. <laughs> just like, don't even just follow him around. It'll be like, um, oh my God, Bowfinger, where they're making this movie and uh, Eddie Murphy's character is this big like A-list star and they're trying to get him for this terrible movie and they know that they're not going to be able to get him, but they like need him. Yeah. So they just start following him around and fabricating scenarios around him that they can work in as scenes in the movie. Oh, it'll I be like it'll that. be like that, but with Michael Mondo in a scorpion suit chasing Ben Affleck around. <laughs> and just being like Bruce and just and, and Affleck's like what the shit just keeps running. Right. Pulls off his shirt so everybody can identify him by his back tattoo. Right, of course. It's like I'm really Ben Affleck, help me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you'd have to fabricate the scenario to where so he like bumps into someone and they like run a razor down his shirt so it like flies off, you know? That's true. That's way more cinematic. Hell yeah. Than him just pulling it off. Totally. So there's way more thrills in it being it being cut from his body. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. All right, guys. Go fund fund this movie. We'll be starting a GoFundMe sometime soon. Keep keep an Give eye us on your our money Twitter. to harass Ben Affleck. Hell yeah. You want it. You you've wanted it since he became Batman. So if you want to get uh get, give us some funds for this, go on our Twitter at Missing Outcast. M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. And if you want to give Lex more ideas for this movie, follow him here. Yeah, I'm at the Lex Michael. Also. I'm uh, like it, it, tweet at me. Talk to me about work that you you struggle with in terms of your relationship with that piece of work. Like there there's no shortage now of works of art that were long beloved that have now become problematic due to the involvement of uh, one or two people that were very high profile in that in that project. Yeah. I want to. I'm always curious. Like where where are people's lines, and do they continue? to be open to the work of art while not necessarily thinking that that these people should work anymore. Hmm. I'm I'm always curious to hear from people like about that, about their perspective on that, like where everybody's lines are because I feel yeah. like there are some hard lines that we all generally I hope agree on. Right. But then I feel like you work your way you work your way through the list of of possible offenses and you get you, I feel like you don't have to get very far down the list before people's mileage starts varying right so i'm always very curious about where people draw which lines and then how that translates to their relationship with art and dark knight returns is one of those for for me where i'm like i can't this is so familiar to me and it's been such a it's been floating around in my head for such a long time that i can't say that like i'm not disowning my fandom of the book i still really love the dark knight returns but of course the older i get and the more I understand and the more the more different people I listen to, the harder and harder and harder and harder it becomes to not see the hyper problematic elements as well. Right. So this for me was one example of a work that I still like, but it, it gets harder and harder and harder to like without caveats. Right. I get you. OK. Yeah, guys, hit them up and, and let them know. Uh, you, me, yeah, yeah. and that's. I want to talk to you about about this too. So I'm gonna. Where do I where do I tweet at you? Where do, do I where do I do your twits? You you twits me at miss. Uh, nope, 
at Tari J. T A U R I J A Y. Um, but I don't accept heavy things, so just just tweet me your favorite Batman comic. Yeah, just, oh yeah, that too. Tweet, tweet me your tweet favorite and Batman like comic. and like at me when you tweet it at Tari. Hell yeah. And just tweet at both of us. Um, talk about talk about Batman. Talk about <laughs> talk about how much you know about Batman and how stupid we both are, and then enlighten us. But be nicer than yeah, that about it. That do. would be very rude. Yeah, don't call me stupid. Just be like, let me help you. Let me hold your hand and take you up Batman Mountain. Ooh, like, I, I love Batman Mountain. I used to be so heavily into Batman comics, like all of modern Batman, and it's just been it's been long enough that. I feel like I've lost so many of the hyper specific details. Yeah. So, so please, I fell down the mountain a little bit and I'm down here and like my, my cable snapped. So if you just give me your hand, I will, I will return with you to the summit of Batman mountain oh. by hand. Like obviously I mean like handle social media handle. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause you still have the handle of your cable. You just need to like put it up and it's right. just, it's like if you got it, gives even you if just you got enough a, reach. Yeah. Even if you got like a spare carabiner, like we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, do that uh and thank you for joining us here on missing out um uh, make sure to do all the things we told you at the beginning of the show subscribe leave us a review um and just tweet us and all that stuff oh yeah also people people have been tweeting at us saying very nice stuff oh yes um so yeah thank you thank you um we and we got a new review on or we got a new um i guess rating on iTunes. It was a five star, so thank you, thank you. Um, there wasn't a name attached to it, but we don't, we you don't know, know who you are. You you know who you are. We don't, so but we feel the joy anyway. Yeah. It's like a secret admirer. It's like you left a love letter in our locker. And we appreciate it. We will sniff it every day. Um, whatever that means. Smells like paper. Yep. And, and roses. That, and roses. And is that nutmeg? It is a little bit. Damn. Dang. Thank you. I love how did why you know you, I love nutmeg? Why'd you waste your nutmeg in this fashion? <laughs> Nothing's a waste. We'll see you next week. Bye. Are we at the end card? Are we out? We're out. We're out. We're gone. See you later. Bye. I can't think today. I apologize for my lack of ability to think today. Oh no, today. it's fine. We had a good show.